I can't pretend with my friends that I grew up in a household that was full of love and support. The facade that we have that we're just such a perfect family, it just, it isn't. And I can't pretend. And giving that inner voice, that opportunity to come out and say that was so huge on my physical, mental and everything. It was so hard. But at the same time, it was like, I literally crashed to the ground and tears and just so much expressive, dramatic release of emotions because it was almost like I finally did it. Welcome to Finding Your Fears podcast, sharing lessons and stories about creating the life and business you deserve. With me, your fears guide, Carolyn Colleen. Hello and welcome to Finding Your Fears podcast. Today, my friend, Nikki Fleur. Welcome, Nikki. Thank you. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. So yes, in light of Finding Your Fears. So when we talk about Finding Your Fears, we talk about on our heroine's journey as heroines and historical heroines of the past, heroines of today and heroines of the future as we help guide them on their beautiful journeys. It's really finding your fears, finding your ferocity, finding what fires you up in order to be authentically you and what you're meant for. And then as we do that, helping others on their journey as well. And so whatever that is that lights you up, that's gotten you to where you are now, and that will help you each time you are faced with a particular challenge, adversity, or decision to be made, how you can continually ignite your own ferocity in standing in what's fierce and what fierce means. And being fierce is standing in your integrity, despite the adversity and in, in, in doing what is according to your values, according to what you stand for. And uh, each podcast episode, each guest we have on, we talk about some of our journey, what was, what is, and what could be within finding your fierce and finding it within, and then the tools and resources in which we use in order to continue on this beautiful human journey of life. So thank you for being here, Nikki. I'd love for you to share a little bit about your finding ferocity. What have you experienced? Maybe some integral shift in your life or perhaps a story that comes to mind or an example of you finding your fears. Well, that's a really great question. I'm not sure how to lead into that because I feel like in the last decade, I have a few different scenarios that have come up where I just had to make a choice. And I think that's where finding my fears came from was just making that choice of being honest about how I really felt about things and then being unapologetic for them. So I think one of the biggest challenges that brought me to where I am today was the realization that I needed to confront the person that had been hurting me for so long. I had skirted around the issue. Maybe 12 to between 12 and 14 years ago, I had decided that I wanted to live a life that had a lot of love and connection and opportunity in it because I hadn't really experienced that prior. And I was also at the same time getting very sick which was just unnatural at my age because I was in my 20s. And I had to come to the realization that I was either going to change my life or I was going to continue living with what I was living with. 
on that journey, I started to research a lot of mental things, going through psychology, took psychology in college. I shifted over into nutrition as well, trying to learn how to heal my body. And I did this for a very long time. And it wasn't until about eight years later that I realized that what I really needed to do was to confront the person that had hurt me. To kind of make a little more sense of everything, my father had physically, sexually, and emotionally abused me for over a decade. My mother is an alcoholic and a drug addict. So whether I was with him or I was with her, I was on the journey. At the time that I started to get sick was the time that he had come back into my life, my father. I was doing everything that I thought was right with the world, what I was told I needed to do. I needed to grow up. I needed to be responsible and meet a boy and start a family. And that's how I was going to be accepted and looked at as responsible and loved conditionally because of the things that I was doing. So I was going through all these things. I was taking care of my health. I was taking care of my family. I was taking care of my life. But I still was so sick inside. And I know there's people who have felt that where it's like, I'm doing everything right. Why can't I just be happy? Why am I like, am I not appreciating everything that I have? What is wrong with me? Why can't I just be happy with all of these great things that I have? And that's where I was at. And I was continuing my journey. And in that journey, I met up with some people from the Boys and Girls Club. And I decided I wanted to be a big sister. And the lady I was talking to was interviewing me. And she said all these really great questions. She was digging into a little bit just to get to know me, who would be good for me to be paired up with. And she said something to me. She said, is there anybody you wouldn't want your little around? Mm -hmm. And that's when my fierce moment came. I had a flashback in that moment of all the things my father had done to me. And I, I wrapped my arms around my stomach and I was suddenly so scared because I thought, oh my gosh, what if I have a baby? What am I going to do? They can't go to grandma and grandpa's house. I can't. And then I started thinking my brother and sister and everybody else. And I was like, mm. What's and I realized at that moment that the reason I had been so sick was because I was not confronting the one thing in my life. I was not facing the one thing in my life that needed to be faced in order for me to be who I needed to be, to reach my potential, to find my voice, to find my confidence. I was not happy with everything that I had because there was a piece of me, my heart, my my little inner child that was just so heartbroken from everything that had happened that I couldn't get past it. Even though I physically thought I could and I surrounded myself with everything that everybody told me would make me happy, I wasn't happy because I wasn't facing the demons, so to speak, that were still inside. And doing that, it, it, I didn't do it right away. It wasn't that day I went to his house and was like, oh. but doing that, getting geared up and getting ready, almost as if it was a marathon, like putting myself in the right spot, getting the right tools, getting strong mentally, getting myself prepared for that big wow moment of confronting the thing that was holding me back. That was when I had the fierce moment. And that's when I realized that no matter what, there's a voice, a child, a, whatever you want to put it, it's inside you. And it wants things. It wants to connect on a certain level with people. It wants to do certain things. It wants to forgive certain things. And in order to do that, you have to really listen to the voice. And that's what I realized after doing that, that that was the biggest, strongest thing that I could have ever done was stand up for myself and say, you know what? I can't pretend anymore. 
I can't pretend you didn't do these things to me. I can't pretend to my husband that as you sit next to him at the kitchen table that you weren't this person back then. I can't pretend with my friends that I grew up in a household that was full of love and support. The facade that we have that we're just such a perfect family, just it isn't. And I can't pretend. And giving that inner voice that opportunity to come out and say that was so huge on my physical, mental and everything. It was so hard. But at the same time, it was like, I literally crashed to the ground in tears and just so much expressive, dramatic release of emotions because it was almost like I finally did it. I did. I protected myself. I put myself where I needed to be. And ever since then, even the smallest things I have to be honest about, it's just it's hard in our world. Like this is really hard for me even to say because so many people look at me and they're like, and I, but when I tell people, I'm not a big fan of dogs. I'm not. I've had a dog and it was a disaster. He destroyed my house. He destroyed everything. He would always try to bite everybody. And, and when you tell, but when you tell people that they're like, oh, how could you not? And that's a lot of what our society does, right? We put people in boxes. And we say that we have to act a certain way. And if we don't act that certain way, then we're not worthy of somebody else's love. And for me, that was my box. It was like, you have to not tell people that this happened in your family that because you're in this box and we don't talk about this kind of stuff with people. Like this is stuff that we have to stuff down and keep down deep inside of us. And it just, it's not a healthy way to live. You packed a lot into that. And, and first, thank you. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for being vulnerable. Thank you for being fierce. And also what I want to touch on first is yes, sharing your experience unlocks the jail of another person that they might have been locked in. And so being able to share that with vulnerability and with the, I would say, since I love, that's that's what I do, right? Because it takes courage. And when we talk about fierce and what it stands for, it takes courage, even when you know that the other, the alternatives, you could be perhaps sheltering, hiding, saving yourself or faith, but it takes courage to stand up and stand in integrity and be able to stand for what's right. There's a saying that I say to my boys and we, it's our mantra is we do what's right, not what's easy. And, and I'm curious, as you share, once, once you've had that pivotal moment, which kind of set the foreground for a lot of different things in your life, including your book, including how you help other people stand in what's right, not what's easy. And in that moment, it has, and not just that one moment, but several moments to come as you've released that and opened that whole floodgate, that was the integral moment of healing. Does that sound right? Where you started to go and climb out of that well, per se. And then is that where you started to see healing for your body in your mind? Absolutely. I never realized before the things that we hold inside, how much they hurt us and our families, the people we really do care about. Because I think there's many parts of this situation I wasn't prepared for. My husband didn't know that this stuff had happened to me until after we were married. What I didn't know was that when I told him, he would be taking on the pain with me. And the biggest lesson in that was that I think a lot of us will hold all of our pain in 
because we don't want to hurt the other people around us by them knowing our pain because we don't want them to feel that. But at the same time, what we don't realize is that we're hurting them either way. When we pretend, when we stuff these things inside of us and we pretend like we're not hurting, we're not able to connect with the people that we really do love. And when we are able to give that voice the opportunity to tell people, this is my story, not only does it, like you said, it it helps people to break free of their story, but it also helps the people that love you. It helps you to connect with them on a real level because now they understand maybe why you act the way that you act or why you think the way that you think even, or any number of examples. But in holding that back, when you're trying to stuff all this stuff in, you're stopping people from being able to reach you on a real level. And you're stopping yourself. Like you think you're protecting them and protecting yourself, but really there's no protection there. It's just more disconnect from more people that you wouldn't be able to heal from if you just weren't able to be vulnerable in that moment. Thank you. Because I get this on my journey. So on my journey as well, when I wrote my book, and there are a lot of things that, that came out from that healing and then also things that I had to face. So in that, do you find, and I, so I wanted to hear your answer to this because I found this and then how you navigate it. So yes, as you're opening this door, as you are helping others see, but then also you're opening a door that once you open it, it's not closing. And right. so, then, <laughs> so then navigating that piece, what has come to fruition for you as Yes, you be you do come with a permission to be vulnerable on your journey of authenticity. And you shared how your husband then, therefore, he also was involuntarily, right? He didn't know ahead of time, but now he's in and he's okay, here we go. Now, what have you experienced with others in your sphere as far as, oh, because I've experienced this, oh, here she comes. We're going to have to have real conversations. No longer. We're not going to play games, games of humanity or whatever. No, no games here. We're only going to be vulnerable all the time. <laughs> um, so this is what's, what's been really hard for me doing podcast interviews is that as a coach, part of the reason why I became a coach is because people will just, when they get around me, they will just word vomit their life stories. Just random people, people I don't even, I'll be stuck in an elevator with somebody. And they will just start talking to me and they'll just, all their stories just start coming off. And then what I get is that first part. And then they almost feel like, oh, they, they feel that vulnerability and they just start to immediately get scared, right? They're like, oh, I can't believe that I told this person this stuff about me. So it's hard for me because I'm used to asking the questions. So right now that's all I can think about is I just want, I want to learn more about you. So I don't have that too often. I do have people though that will say things like, oh, you're just going to go for it, huh? Because I'll call people out a lot. I don't mean to, but I think some people nowadays, they call it an empath. But when you grow up in a household where you have to walk on eggshells, you become very aware of other people's expressions, their micro expressions, their movements, their that tension in the house, right? You become very aware of it. So you can feel like you learn that off of people. And I can do that. And so I will call a person out if I feel like they're hiding something from me. 
or if I feel like they're lying and this is anybody, it could be anybody in the street. It could be anybody where it doesn't matter. I'll be like, Hey, what's really going on? So I can make people feel uncomfortable that way. (laughs) But most people generally just feel pretty relaxed around me. I think they feel this in my heart. I really just want people to feel like, you know what, you're you and that's okay. If you're not hurting people, and you just want to live an authentically creative and beautiful life, then I think that's beautiful. And that's all I want to support you in doing. I mean, a lot of people with the coaching, they think that I'm teaching. They're like, oh, you're a coach. You must coach people how to live life. And it's no, what I'm doing is I'm trusting that you already know the answer. Because I know you know the answer. I'm trusting you. And I'm giving you that space for you to tell me what you want. Because that's what's really important. Not for you to live the way I think you should live. But to live the way you want. Yes. And that's so important, isn't it? On this beautiful human journey, having someone be on the journey with you. And then maybe offer up some tools. Right? And I'd be able to go down the healing path that you went through. And, you know, not like the path is ever over, but you, you learned a few things on the way. Right. It is, it is never mm-hmm. over. Just when you think it's over, there's another lesson coming your way. Always. Which makes me fun. Tell me, so yeah. share with me, if someone who's on this journey of finding their ferocity, what are some like tools or resources? You talk about boundaries. What are some, what would you say would maybe be something, the, one of the most important things that someone would need to keep in mind or a tool that you might have used or a tool that you teach? One thing to keep in mind is people really don't care about your business as much as you think they do. I think that holds a lot of people back (laughs) because they think, what if so-and-so thinks this of me or this of me? And it's people really don't care. They're really, they're worried about their own lives and there's nothing wrong with that. That's beautiful. They're working on themselves. So don't let that hold you back would be the first thing. Don't ever let what people think of you hold you back, but boundaries The best boundaries we can set, honestly, are the ones that we set on ourselves. I would say some of the things that have helped me would be being very clear about what I want. For example, here's an example. I've had quite a few clients that have said in relationship coaching that have said, I just want him to act like he loves me. And I get that. We hear that a lot from women. I want him to do that. And, And the thing is, though, is to be very specific about that. How are you receiving love? What is it exactly that you need from him? Is it that you need a dozen roses on the weekend? Do you need him to give you kisses every morning? Do you want him to clean the house? Is that your language of love? How is he going to know he's doing a good job? And it's getting very specific about what you want and being able to articulate that to people. That's whether it's whether it's at work or whether it's at home, whether it's with your friends, if you have a friend that is constantly, I think everybody at some point has had this, the friend that is always 15 minutes late, at least 15 minutes to 30 minutes late. And it's okay in some aspects, but say it's lunch and you only have a half an hour and they said they would meet you and then they show up a half an hour late. It's setting those boundaries, being like, I enjoy having lunch with you. I really do. But when you tell me you're going to be there at noon, I need you to be there at noon. Because I only have until 1230 for lunch. So the next time that you're 15 minutes late, I'm going to get up and I'm going to leave. And then following through on that would be the other big thing is not only setting the expectations. And it's not all about me. I think a lot of people get that misunderstood with boundaries. It's not about that at all. In fact, it's almost like what you're really doing is you're telling somebody what their responsibility in the relationship is and what your responsibility is. And that's the same thing we do with everything else in our life, right? You have your house. You have your property, right? 
your parent or your, well, your parents do too, but your neighbors, they have their house and their property. What's stopping your neighbors from coming over into your house and maybe checking out your bed or going through your refrigerator or God forbid, checking out your underwear drawer? Like it's boundaries, right? It's them knowing that over there, that's their house, their yard, their responsibility. When it snows, they need a shovel. When it's time to mow, they need to mow. When their kids are screaming, that's not my problem. That's their problem. That's a they problem. And so that's what a boundary is. It's just imagining that you are your own house. You do your own landscape. You take care of everything that's going on the inside of this house. If there's something mental, if there's something physical, you take care of that. That is your responsibility. And then everybody else, you know, what they have set, that's their responsibility. And then if you're having a relationship, you're bringing like, you're responsible for your happiness. They're responsible for their happiness. You bring that in to the relationship, not this, I'm half of a person without you stuff. So I'd say that's the biggest thing is like putting these boundaries, like putting them on yourself, but making sure to follow through with them, with people. This is how I feel. If you can't abide by this. And this is what I've been, I've had to do this with my mother. I did that eight years ago. She kept calling me drunk all the time. And I finally, and so many people are like, oh, but they're family. And I'm like, oh, but I don't care anymore because family isn't supposed to physically, sexually, emotionally abuse you. They're not supposed to throw bottles at your head. So for me, it's don't care if they're family. I have friends that are that are so much closer than family, right? But that's just what you have to do. I call, you know, I was like, I am not mad at you. I do not hate you. But I'm going to tell you that if you continue to call me drunk, I will not be picking up the phone and we will end this relationship that we have. These are my rules. If you call me, we have to talk about what's happening now and for the future. And that's it. No bringing up my father, no bringing up alcohol, no bringing up anything in the past we talk about. And she couldn't do it. And so I set that boundary. And then I had the follow through of, okay, then I'm sorry. Again, I'm not mad at you. I hope you have a wonderful life, but I'm not going to be picking up your phone calls anymore. That was eight years ago. And I still don't pick up the phone calls. And thank you for sharing that. The expectation. So expectations, boundaries, the communication. And that's one thing that comes to mind when you're sharing that. Because, yeah, creating those boundaries with expectations in the communication of so much. Because sometimes when we can, when you hear the word boundary or you hear the word expectation, sometimes defining, like how I like how you define it. Because we might have a predisposition to what that definition of the word is. So if you say expectation, each person might have a different idea of what that means. But in your saying is, okay, I'm going to clearly communicate to you and maybe communicate it in a way that you can understand. And maybe even communicate it in a few different ways so that you can understand what I'm communicating with you and what my expectation is. And it's interesting too, because I'm sure you've experienced or we've seen on a sitcom TV show, like, oh, you know why I'm upset with you. Where is that? The communication of, no, I, I don't have to play a guessing game as to why you're upset with me. <laughs> and so I enjoy what you share that, that communication piece, like sharing and clearly communicating and maybe in a few different ways, what your expectation and boundaries are, and then also clearly communicating what that expectation is. And yes, I'm going to follow through on it. That's lovely. I appreciate that you shared that because that's definitely something that we can resonate with in our lives. And also within Acton. So within Acton, as we're teaching young people 
how to have boundaries, but then also to act on those boundaries, both. So laying out the boundaries for what's expected in their learning, and then also laying out the boundaries for what's expected from them and for them. So as our learners within Acton have boundaries laid out, giving a clear communication around what is expected and then the follow through and how brilliant would that be of having our next generation of children understanding and communicating in this way that yes, okay, I understand the expectation. I get to subscribe to that expectation and you're going to hold me up for that expectation as you know because I'm in this relationship with you so I love how you laid that out because that's exactly what we teach at Acton starting at age four boundary expectation communication clear communication as to why I have these expectations I have these expectations because x y and z this is my expectation and this is the this is the boundary that I will execute on if my expectations aren't met. And again, like you Mm -hmm. said beautifully, and it doesn't mean that I hate you. It doesn't mean that I'm upset with you. It just simply means I share with my expectations were you can subscribe to it. We can have a conversation within that particular boundary or expectation. And these are the results. Wouldn't it be amazing to have our next generation of humans that could communicate in that way? It would be so amazing. Yeah, I was telling somebody that the other day. I said, wouldn't it be amazing if you went on it because she was dating? I was like, wouldn't it be amazing if you went on a date and your partner was like, you know what? I think you're a wonderful person, but I don't see this going into a second date. And I just want to enjoy the rest of the night with you. Is that okay? Instead of ghosting you for four weeks. Wouldn't, like, wouldn't it be this how I feel like? And people sometimes get offended because they're like, oh, then you're just, you expect too much of people. And it's like, you don't go to Burger King for a steak dinner. Yeah. Burger King is great. There's people that love Burger King. That's awesome. They can go to Burger King. I want a steak dinner. I'm going to where they serve steak dinner. And that's my expectation. And adding to that communication, same thing with holidays. Let's say, oh, you know, I love you. We have this tradition. I want to be in this space with you. Here's what I'm going Mm -hmm. to do. I'm going to come and I'm going to come at what time is turkey dinner? It's at noon. Great. I'll come at 1130 and I'll stay for about an hour and a half to two hours because that is when I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I need to rest. However, I want to have to do with you. So just so you're aware, I'm going to leave around two o'clock. That's my plan. Just so that you're aware and you want to be able to plan around that. Wonderful. If not, thank you. That is beautiful. Speak authentically. Yes. You know how many people I know that want to tell their family, I don't want to buy Christmas gifts anymore, but they just can't get themselves to do it because they're so afraid of the backlash. We haven't bought Christmas gifts in years just because of where our heart was at during the time. But you know how many people that want, they're like, I, I go into so much credit card debt. And I'm like, Baby, you're doing it to yourself. Yeah. All you have to do is tell the family, I love you, but I do not wish to participate. Don't get me any gifts this year. I'm not going to get the 13 children in the house this gifts this year. I'm not maxing out my credit cards this year. I've got gold. Yeah. And nine out of 10 people will honestly, they will respect you when you set those expectations because they're thinking the same thing you are. They're just not doing it yet. Yes, yes. And I appreciate what you're what you share and how you're sharing could really help 
quite a few people and simply maybe getting to a closer realization of setting boundaries and expectations, but it's a practice, right? So continuous practice. How might people be able to reach out to you if they're trying to get a few more tips and tricks? First, I would just say, if you want to get started with something, just start realizing how many times you say no already. If you're at the restaurant and somebody comes up and says, your server comes up and they're like, do you want more coffee? And you don't want coffee, you instantly say no, it's no problem. It's no issue for you. So paying attention to those little moments where you do say no, and then make more moments that are very little where you do say no. Somebody comes up and, and I don't know, there's many different areas, but if somebody did want to get more tips and tricks, the best way to reach me, I would say, because it has all my contacts would be my website, which is nickyburglar.com. They can send me messages, emails, all the information, all the goods are there. But I get, I I have to say, I really appreciate you because I get so excited about this stuff that I just keep going and going and you keep me very grounded and focused. And I appreciate how you're able to navigate my energy and my personality to keep me in focus. It's refreshing and I enjoy it. And we could, we could completely like jam for two hours straight. I feel like we could. (laughs) We could. And that's to leave some extra for our events. So each year we have our Fierce and Fulfilled event and you will be a featured speaker at the event. And so for people to come and find out more, they can come to the Fierce and Fulfilled event, which they can find more information when they go to the page for Fierce and Fulfilled and find out the details there. So in order for them to get a little bit more on boundaries, expectations and finding your voice, right? Yes, there's going to be so much great stuff at the event. I cannot wait. I'm so excited. Yes, I'm so excited too. So thank you. Thank you for being on today as we continually navigate and help people find their fear. And there's one question that I ask everyone before we part ways is, if you had five minutes extra in your day, what would you do with it? There's so many places I want to take that, but I'm going to go ahead and be honest at the first thing that popped in my head, which was eat a cupcake. I love it. Well, thank you, Nikki. (laughs) Thank you for being here. Thank you, everyone who's listening. Make sure to check the show notes in order to connect with Nikki. Make sure to check the show notes as well for our upcoming events for Fierce and Fulfilled and subscribing to Finding Your Fierce, Fierce Network and Fierce Academy. Thanks for joining and we will see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Finding Your Fears podcast. Be sure to hit the follow button so you get notified every time a new episode releases. Please share this episode with someone who might want a little more fierce in their life. And for more information about how we can work together, go to carolyncolleen.com. Talk to you soon.